0: Got a Houston Rockets themed episode as a native Houstonian. This excites me. And what excites me even more than that is to have on a co host today that has been one of the biggest Houston Rockets haters, an adamant James Harden denier, and a Warriors lifer. Kale Hayes, my brother. Welcome back, bro.
1: Appreciate you having me back on. Ready for a good time and to still remind you that the Houston Rockets are the scum of the NBA
0: yeah the scum of the NBA that set some records and did some crazy things before we get into today's trivia just want to let all the viewers know you can find us on Twitter social media at not weekly pod we got all our content on there you can find all our streaming links and where you can listen to this podcast on that Twitter or you can follow me at the real volleyball I've got some juicy content for the pod as well so kale we laid it out brother we're doing the Houston Rockets on today's podcast and You know, I got some trivia as it relates to the Rockets. They set some records. You know, according to Elias Sports, between the MLB, NHL, NFL, and NBA, the Houston Rockets became the first professional sports team in history to lose 15 straight (laughs) and then go on to win the next seven in a row. Unheard of. So I'm throwing a softball your way, bro. Someone with the limited basketball knowledge that you have due to being a West Coast fan of the game and being stuck in your bubble should still know this. So here you go, bro. I'm throwing you the softball. I got two questions. If you get both these right, congratulations. You're somewhat of a knowledgeable Warriors fan. I want you to tell me which NBA team in history has the longest winning streak ever and how many games is that?
1: Golden State oh no of course it's no. say Warriors it is on the West no that was the longest to start the season yeah. uh oh it's the I think it's it's the Lakers isn't it which Lakers it was the 85
0: 86 the 87 Lakers were probably the best Lakers ever um The 86 Lakers actually lost to the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. (laughs) But it was the 72 Lakers. Uh, Elgin Baylor retired, but they still had Jerry West and Wilt Chamberlain. They won 33 games in a row. Second place, the Beatles, the Heatles, I should say, uh, with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. They won 27 in 2013. And then your Houston Rockets in the 08 season had the 22-game win streak. That puts them fourth on this list all time.
1: Uh, and puts them number one for the most, un I'd say, uh, Unimportant. say un, unprecedented, but uh, the most That's nice. unexpected <laughs> winning streak. Did that Rockets team even make the playoffs?
0: Yeah, so they, they lost Yao Ming, I think, 11 or 12 games into the win streak. Uh, continued 10 games without him. They still had a prime-ish Tracy McGrady who needed microfracture surgery on that knee and was reeling from back issues that caused them some posture issues that led to the knee injuries. But, yeah, they were the fifth seed in the West that year, and they lost to the Jazz in six games in the first round.
1: That Rockets team, that was, even though being a Rockets hater, that, that's one I wish. If T-Mac and Yao could have stayed healthy, that would have been fun to see what that turned out to be.
0: Yeah, there's there's a podcast that needs to happen about that eventually. I need to get on a, a good Rockets voice um, and do a, an in-depth team. And yeah, what if we did a? It was like our second episode ever, but we didn't do it justice. We just kind of narrated the events of that era. Yeah, that
1: that could have changed the uh, the dynamic of the NBA and what we currently see and how teams play it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let me go to the second part of this question, Cale. Who has the longest losing streak in NBA history? Two teams actually own this record.
1: Ooh, longest losing streak. Uh, I want to say that it's the Bobcats when they had that god-awful season where they only won nine games.
0: I think that was like the worst regular season record ever, but they didn't own the record for consecutive losses. It's the 2011 Cavs, 26 losses. And then tying the record was the 2014 Trust the Process 76ers. Mm -hmm. Yep, those are – I should
1: have figured on the – on Philly, but, yeah, those were some dark times up there.
0: Yeah, it's it's always a dark time in Philly. Really, there needs to be, like, a 30-for-30 documentary on every year of the Sixers since, like, before the process and this year it would be called like the trials of Embiid because it's all about how Joel Embiid is disappointed and you know COVID protocol and he's angry about that
1: well it'd also be interesting you know to postulate about whether what the uh, Sixers would look like if they would have kept Sam Hinkie
0: yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot to unpackage there hopefully one day we'll get a thir- 30 for 30 on the entirety of trust the process but today, we're talking about the team, your own Houston Rockets, that are in a really interesting position here, man. We're recording this on this 18th of December, a week before Christmas, a week before potentially the NBA gets shut down or altered. We'll see about that. Um, and the Rockets are 10-20 and 20 in a really, really, really interesting situation here. I told you, bro, they had the seven-game winning streak after they made some rotational changes in their lineup. And Steven Silas adjusted accordingly to the demands of the fans. Um, Not really. It's more Raphael Stone pulling the strings behind the curtains. But nonetheless, they adjusted. They started winning some games. They're 6-4 and in their last 10 games. And it looks like, you know, the Rockets have a competent rotation out there. they are two games out of the play-in spot in the Western Conference, that play-in spot being the 10th seed. But here you go. Here's the kicker. They're half a game out of last place in the West. So you're kind of positioned perfectly to make a run here and potentially be a playoff team, a young team with playoff aspirations that can build a suitable culture that can attract talent here that can have a culture of accountability, which the Houston Rockets franchise hasn't seen in about nine, 10 years Or you can tank out. You still own your draft pick for next year. You have no draft liability. Tank out and take one of these generational guys like a – what's his name? Paolo or a Jabari Smith or a Ched Holmgren. One of these generational guys that look like they're going to be a lottery pick that takes a team somewhere this next year. And you pair that with your young cast of 19, 20, 21-year-old players that all look like they've showed some signs this year. So what an interesting position for the Houston Rockets to be in. And I want to open this pod. We'll, We'll revisit this segment here in a little bit, Kale. But I want to open this pod as a Warriors fan and, more importantly, as a Rockets hater. What was your, you know, your impressions of this team right before the season started? And take me through the journey that you've gone through in becoming a believer of everything that is the Houston Swamplands.
1: Uh, I figured they were gonna be bottom of the barrel in the uh, in the West, but I uh, there was there's young talent there. There's been young talent there. I mean, um, Jalen Green is when you got someone that just has that much spring, he brings a lot of excitement to games because the fans get into it and the players get into it. So just based off of that, with the talent they have. They weren't going to be great, but they could put on some some good shows. And Christian Wood, I think, is underrated. Granted, with how this team looks, um, I I don't think he's really been too interested. Uh, he seems more interested as of late, but it's. He's kind of been put in a position where, with the young guards, he, he doesn't have someone that he could trust like he could with John Waller that could run a game built more around Christian Woods. The young guys are building the games around them, themselves and, and not Christian. So it's an interesting position y'all are in. But I, I will say the, the team the team looks better than I thought. This uh, like Who is this Garrison Matthews guy?
0: Like, hey, hey, hey. His name is Garris, Gary Bird. Like, you
1: look at any of the stats, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He's always dropping, like, 15 to 20 points a game on some some pretty good numbers from three, and it's like, you know, I've never heard of this guy before in my life. So, yeah, it's – I don't know. I think – I don't think the Rockets really try to make a push for the playoffs because this NBA draft, up at the top, there's too much to lose. You know, it's it's really top-heavy. And so you don't want to be outside of those top five. Um, And so I don't think they they risk it, but I think they're going to be a lot more competitive than
0: than they showed they would be at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And all of this really stems from one thing. I think it stems from, you talk to any Houston fan, and they'll tell you the same thing, I believe. It stems from going away from this archaic, two big lineup that they started the season with pairing Daniel Tice and Christian Wood together that really limited them in. And I think the players who felt the biggest impact from that were the guards was, you know, Jalen green um, KPJ, not having the spacing that an NBA guard in today's ISO space, heavy volume three, heavy NBA scheme, pick and roll with, you know, outlet options in every corner. NBA scheme that dominates the landscape of the league today and now that they've gone away from it man you're starting to see guys like Garrison Matthews start to light fire coming off a 10-day contract and you know earning himself a nice little four-year guaranteed contract with the Houston Rockets he's an NBA guy now being undrafted and cut from the Celtics so it's real interesting bro I think it's real interesting that you've had this transformation and you've kind of had uh, a mid-season, not even a mid, like a one-fifth of the season-way transformation, where you stop playing Daniel Tice big minutes. You go away from old guys like Daniel House, who's one of the one of the last guys left from the 2018 team. You cut him. They straight up waived him. One-year, four-year contract. There was no interest for him in the trade market, so they straight up waived him and made room for Garrison Matthews on this roster. And you've really embraced this youth movement and you've seen the results of that energetic, fun basketball, man. I called, we talked about this on a previous podcast, man. I called the Rockets my preseason league pass team, a team that's going to be fun that showcases its young talent. That's an open court, fast athletic team. And they're starting to embrace that man. And it, it has been fun to watch over the course of like the last 15 games for the Houston Rockets. They're finally looking like an NBA team.
1: Yeah, um, so what do you think? What do you think the, the Rockets end up doing the rest of the
0: season? Do you think they, they try to make a push, or do you think they realize there's too much to lose? I think that, I think exactly what I thought from before the season. I think this is best-case scenario in that they are going to be one of the worst teams record-wise. The, they're going to be one of the three worst teams record-wise. As long as they're one of the five worst teams, they've got good odds at landing a top-five pick, right? They're going to be one of the worst teams record-wise, but they've shown in spurts, whether it's the seven-game winning streak, going six and four in their last 10 games without their starting point guard, and multiple rotation pieces being out. Hell, Jalen Green, who's going to end up being one of your leading scorers by the end of the season, being out during this entire stretch. Uh, I think they're they're going to want to be bad to retain that pick because I think they understand they can be a decent playing team with the roster they have, but if they're going to be truly great, if they're going to be contenders, you need another lottery pick to add to this bunch, and I think they're going to go that route. Now, what's going to be interesting to get there is you've had a guy in these last 15 or so games and Eric Gordon who's really rounded into form, and he's been huge for that win streak, right? Your starting point guard and KPJ has been out. Jalen Green's not getting in there anytime soon because of that hamstring. And so the last guy on this team now from the 2018 team that led the league in wins with 65 wins and pushed the Warriors to the brink before a hamstring stole the odds away from Houston again, you know, you wonder where they're going to go with him. And Eric Gordon's done so much for this team, man. I I would venture to say that most Rockets fans agree with me that, you know, I want to do him a service and get him somewhere where he has a chance at winning. And there's been rumors that the Knicks are targeting him. You know, what a great scoring piece off the bench he would be to alleviate that playmaking pressure off Julius Randle that everyone thought R.J. Barrett was going to take, right? R.J. Barrett kind of hasn't taken that next step. So there are minutes to be had in that Knicks backcourt with Kemba Walker hurt always. um, And R.J. Barrett's offensive limitability, limitedness, limitability. Uh, so that's kind of the team that I see. But Eric Gordon, as long as you get a net neutral return for him, I'm totally okay with that. What's going to be interesting is what, how his contract plays into whatever team accepts him um, and how much a team thinks that Eric Gordon still has left to give. You know, he's 33 with an injury history. He's missed games this year. But he's showed from that 30 piece he put up and, you know, the scoring streaks that he's gone on that he can still give a team a lot if they're trying to contend for a championship.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, should I take him on the Warriors?
0: Oh yeah. Who who I mean, I don't know, man. Who does he replace on the That's a tricky one. Does he, he he'd be eating into Poole's minutes once Clay comes back. You have got that Clay Steph pool um and then I guess Lee backcourt, I'm missing someone I feel like.
1: What I think you do is you end up um going small cuz Poole can handle the ball. Uh and then you rotate him to point while Steph's out, and then you have uh, Eric and uh, Clay out on the court. So then you've got a lethal, you wanna talk about a bunch of shooters on the court, that, that'd that be pretty nasty.
0: Okay, well, while we're on this topic of the Warriors, there's another guy on this team, a lot of people in the Rockets community have been speculating on, and that's been Christian Wood, right? So Christian yeah, Wood's really up, he's really upped his trade value as well. Um, during this winning streak, him being the sole center in lineups, there were reports of him being disinterested and not really happy with the role he was playing in the offense. Like you said, I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast, but we talked before, you know, not having a point guard that can run that pick and roll with him that he had in John Wall last year. And so a lot of people are speculating, man, what's Christian Wood's future with the Rockets, right? He's 26 years old. He's on a bargain two-year 24 million total contract and so for a team in contention like say the warriors like say maybe portland uh, a few other teams come to mind but for these contender type teams christian wood is a super ideal fit a guy who can come into your lineup and give you 20 and 10 who can play a complementary role who doesn't need the ball in his hand and who you don't have to throw a lot of salary in a trade in order to attain 12 million. That's, I mean, like for the Warriors, that's Kaminga and one other player thrown in.
1: You know, but I, I I wouldn't do that. I like what Kaminga has and from what I've heard and speculated uh, about Wood coming as Wiseman would have to be part of it. And I am completely against trading Wiseman. He's extremely young. I mean, technically he hadn't played since he was 18. I think he's going to be special. Uh, I think he's going to be the center that the Warriors never had. He, uh, he'll completely change the game for him.
0: Um, Potentially. He, what, what's his What's his timeline, though? I mean, Weisberg uh, showed signs his rookie year, but the Warriors were better with him off the court than him on. All the advanced stats show that. Christian Wood, center, can shoot the ball, can spread the court, can playmake a little bit. Right now, you know what you're getting in Christian Wood, and right now, you know, Steph is 33, Draymond's older, Clay is coming off multiple injuries, like, there's a window here for the Warriors to be legitimate contenders, and I wonder if the Rockets offered up a deal like Christian Wood and Sean Tate, who, by the way, that's the guy we need to be talking about in terms of impact guy for the Rockets. I think Sean Tate, this is going to spark some flames in the Rockets community, but I think he's the, most, he's the best player right now for the Houston Rockets in terms of plugging a guy into a championship team in a seven-man rotation and raising their floor right away. I think Jay Sean Tate does that. Um, but say Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood for Kaminga and Wiseman, maybe Houston throws a, an unprotected first-round pick in there. The Warriors got to think about it, man. That's all I'm saying.
1: I mean, if you throw an unprotected first round pick, depending on the year, that does make it a lot more enticing. But I think a lot is there because you know, he looked rough his rookie year. You think about it, he only got what four games at Memphis. So technically he hadn't played in a full year. And so you're jumping from high school to the NBA, which LeBron is the only LeBron and KG are the only ones to successfully do it. And, you know, those guys are those guys like they they speak for themselves so I think in the system that we have and with the people that are there he has everything that you want to be Joel Embiid and so why would you it to me it's just why would you trade that for Christian Wood who I think is a good third option when you have a guy that can potentially be an MVP of a league so I, I know that may be a little bit of a hot take but I think that's the talent he has and that he can show um but I think where Christian Wood ends up going is now with the Anthony Davis injury, I think the Lakers go for him. Oh, Because wow. what he does is, as we talked about in the last podcast that we did uh, on basketball, is the Lakers don't have any shooting. Like, he, they clog themselves, which is shown in all the games. If if LeBron's not having somewhat of a throwback to, to making at least 40% from three, the Lakers really struggle because Anthony Davis is shooting like 20%, uh, and now he's out. And then Russell Westbrook, we know he's the worst percentage three-point shooter in NBA history. He's just the worst person in NBA history. I'm not going to disagree with that either. (laughs) Uh, And so they they don't have anybody who can really space and now play in the post, and Christian Wood can do both. He can play down low with his back to the basket where he can stretch it out to the three. I mean, what he averages just shy under two threes a game at a 35% clip. And I want to say last year he shot better because uh, John Wall was able to run the offense more efficient to where he dropped, uh, what, like two and a half threes a game at like 38%. So he he fits a need that they have. And so I, I think that's actually what gets swung because Los Angeles is in desperation mode in my mind.
0: I don't know about that man i christian wood you know one of the knocks on him last year he's been good he's played 27 out of uh, possible 29 games for the rockets but he's got a little injury concern as well he's missed some time he's tweaked his ankle once or twice this year where he missed the back end of a back-to-back or he missed the entire second half of a game so i don't know the lakers is a tricky one i think the lakers have a structural roster issue that's not going to be mended until they get the fuck off of Russell Westbrook's contract. Uh, But I don't know if they're going to be able to do that now, just with how much money he earns. And I don't know if Christian Wood, you know, you talk about late game rotations. Is there a late game rotation where Christian Wood and Anthony Davis play together? And if not, if your last big move for the Lakers is attaining a Christian Wood, why are you spending assets to attain a guy who's not even going to close games out for you?
1: Uh, I think it's to get them to the point of where they can have their closeout guys on the court because as this season has shown they when it comes down to it their closeout guys aren't there they, you're not LeBron's not there at the end of the game Westbrook's not in at the end of the game Davis isn't in at the end of the game because they're losing um, and so you, you need somebody to get you there if they can get you through you know from the the four-and-a-half-minute mark in the third quarter all the way to the eight-and-a-half-minute mark in the fourth quarter. And then that's when you bring in your Anthony Davis and you rotate him out.
0: That's interesting. That's an interesting take. I think the Lakers would be better suited to have more guard or wing depth that could shoot the ball and playmake. But to have a center in there would be interesting. I, I think he would definitely unlock a different level to that roster I just don't know if that's where they would be looking for help necessarily. There's a lot of there's a lot of potential landing spots for Wood that would be interesting, man. I think the Dallas situation would be interesting. I don't know what Dallas would have that Houston would ever want in a trade. Two
1: hundred sixty-five pounds. <laughs>
0: was that? Oh, Do you see God. the latest on? Donkage. He looks obese, dude.
1: It's yeah, it's bad. Um, I don't know. I was looking at uh, the last game that I watched where the Mavericks ended up blowing the game against the Lakers. Porzingis looks better. Uh, I don't know if you read the article that ESPN put out about Rick Carlisle and the toxic environment that he created that just didn't mesh with um, Porzingis or Donkic. And so they just never had, I guess, the good team morale. So it, it'd be interesting to really, once Donkic decides to lay off the, uh, the Cinnabon, the pizza hut and, God knows whatever else he's eating, uh, and get back into shape. And you can see, you know, a, a happy and healthy Donkic and a happy and healthy Porzingis, see what they can actually give you. Um, I don't know. I don't think you blow that up yet. Uh, I just – I don't really know where where else he goes. I don't know what other contenders would be, need a big man outside of Gold State and now the Lakers.
0: Yeah, I don't – hmm, that's a good question. I don't, think
1: the, I don't think the Nets have the assets to get Wood.
0: Let's do a little exercise here, okay? Let's. I'm going to give you 12 teams in the West and 12 teams in the East. Just tell me yes or no, okay? We're going to okay. talk about are they in or are they out. And we'll talk about those fringe teams and whether or not a guy like Christian Wood or something I want to discuss here in a little bit is other young guys on this roster, like a Jayshon Tate, like a Kevin – uh, or a KJ Martin, a KPJ, you know, David Nawaba, Daniel Tice, whether any guys on this team would fit the needs of one of those teams that maybe make it outside our bubble. So here we go. Let's go with the East. Just tell me in or out. We're doing eight spots. So we're not going to talk about play-ins, but who wins the play-in? you want eight playoff teams. So make a mental note of everyone you pick, okay? Okay. Let's we'll go with the East. Brooklyn. In Chicago. In Milwaukee.
1: In.
0: Cleveland. Out. Whoa. One of the the fourth best defensive team in the NBA. Five game winning streak. Looking competent. They're out. Okay. Uh um, Miami? I,
1: uh
0: in. Charlotte. Out. Washington. In. Wow. Okay. Uh, Boston. Ooh. I've got to go with N. Okay. You got seven. So I'm going to give you these last four teams and just keep in mind, like, so only one of these four teams can make it. Philly, Toronto, Atlanta, New York. Philly. Wow. So you got Atlanta, New York, and Toronto missing the playoffs, man.
1: Toronto just doesn't have the lead dog. They're
0: they're still too young. Um, yeah, they're still reeling off the disappointment that is Pascal Siakam.
1: Yeah, Spicy P just never. It just hasn't seemed to take that leap
0: after he destroyed us in that game one. Um, okay, so one of these teams that are out. Let's let's consider. Okay, you had Charlotte out. Charlotte would be a real interesting team for Christian Wood.
1: You know, I just, I don't know. They play great whenever one of them is out. But whenever you've got a healthy Rosier, Ball, uh, Hayward, they just, I don't know, they just don't seem to look great. And then you add Wood, like, I don't really know what each of their specialty is. Neither of them is truly great at one point of the game outside of Ball and his vision, but. I think he has been extremely lucky to shoot the three-point percentage that he's hit this year because he is not that good of a shooter. Um, Gordon Hayward, just he's a great complimentary piece that can get you here and there, just like his 41.9, but his numbers aren't what they once were. And then you've got Rosier, who scary Terry's just so hit or miss, but none of them does anything extremely well outside of that one spot and ball. And so I just don't know. He, he makes them any better because you've still got mouse to feed and then he's just another mouth to feed.
0: He, he absolutely, I think he absolutely makes them better. Their biggest weakness is front is in the front court, right? Miles Bridges has been a godsend for them playing the four spot, but they just lack the five man. LaMelo ball. Like I told you last year, he's going to end up one of the five best players in the entire NBA in a couple of years, you know, Terry Rogier has been a, a comp, a, you know, a competent backcourt scoring guy. So you throw some, you throw Houston a young PJ Washington at a four spot where they don't have a lot of size and maybe James Buchnight. And I think you can get it done, man. I think you can get Christian Wood and he secures that center spot for this, not ultra young team, but team with some young pieces and also some competent vets that can put, you know, the hoop in the basket. I don't know. What am I saying? The ball in the hoop.
1: I don't know. I I mean, for the biggest knock on Wood is his defense. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, I I don't think he really moves the needle for him. He's just another mouth to feed. That's a defensive liability in the post.
0: Yeah. So that's an interesting situation there. Let's go to another team, man. Let's talk about another potential team for Christian Wood here. Uh, As far as the East goes, man. I can't believe you have the Cavaliers out. um let me go through some of these other. I teams. just
1: think they're they're too young. I think they're playing um they're playing with a lot of fire and juice right now, but I just don't know that they have the talent level to be able to compete when it comes down to crunch time, and all the teams that have more talent than they do start picking their game up,
0: yeah. The, I think the Celtics would be a good landing destination for Wood from the Celtics' point of view, but I don't think the would Celtics you, have anything the Rockets want. Yeah, what would you do? Flip him for Al Horford? And... Yeah, no thanks. The one interesting team here, man, from a Houston perspective, this interests me, is the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks, man, the question has to be, can Clint Capella and Christian Wood fit together in the front court? Because the Atlanta Hawks have a lot of interesting pieces that I would like as a Houston fan. I would love Cam Reddish on this team. I would love DeAndre Hunter on this team. I love the flurry of picks that they have. I love the uncertainty of that roster with Trey being what he is. So that's an interesting one. Uh, but just give me your quick take on that, and we can move back west. Um, that'd be interesting. It'd be
1: uh, a poor man's version of what the Pelicans tried to do with uh, Boogie
0: um with boogie and ad this would be a homeless man's version of that this would be like a rural trump voter attending like the rallies that are held at his church version of that
1: yeah sorry poor man probably was a little bit too much money for that um i don't know it'd be interesting to see the the hawks definitely have the 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 talent the young talent to give back that the rockets would want it would just be you know does does Christian Wood move
0: the needle exactly. enough to make that? And exactly. I don't think he does. Exactly my thoughts. I don't, I don't think the fit is really anywhere in the East is a destination that he necessarily like automatically turns a team into the next level version of themselves. The Nets would be really, really interesting. But again, like there's no pieces there that they have that we'd want. So let's go on to the West, man. Just to recap real quick. So you have the Nets – Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee, Miami, Washington. Uh, you had Celtics, the Celtics,
1: and Philly, and Philly. Okay. The reason why I have Washington is they're and they're they're going to make it in, just because they are where they are with Bradley Beal having his worst season. In. Yeah like since his second year in the NBA. Yeah, very true. So he's eventually going to turn it around. And I think I really like Harold. I really like him being able to play off of, uh, of Beal and you get Beal back to his normal shooting percentages. I think that's going to be a really nasty combination.
0: Yeah, it's going to and You know, Dinwiddie's still recovering from injury to Give him some time to round into the true version of himself. Like the version that led the Nets for so many years or at least for that one exciting playoff run that they had. Okay, let's go on to the West, man. Let's go with the same exercise. Um, I'm going to give you 13 teams because that wouldn't include the Rockets. So (laughs) just tell me yes or no for all these teams. Phoenix? Yes. uh, Golden State? Yep. Utah? Yep. Memphis? Yeah. The Clippers? Yeah. The Lakers? Yeah. Yeah. The Nuggets. Ooh, Jamal Murray might come back in March. Who knows? You think yeah, they but with, the load for that long?
1: With MPJ out, uh, that's going to be a lot to rest on Bones. And, okay. uh, I like Bones' talent. Uh, I like where you're going I gotta, with this.
0: Uh, I got to go with no. Yeah, I agree. I think they're the team that gets left out in this. What about Dallas? Yeah, I, I think uh, uh,
1: Porzingis will shed all the extra Twinkies and any other little Debbie cakes and uh, get in the shape. And Porzingis looks happy and healthy, and I, I think that combination. And Tim Hardaway's actually been playing like dog shit, so I think they're they're too talented to not be there.
0: Yeah, and Porzingis has won the eye test as far as I'm concerned. He looks good. He looks more nimble. Um, it's just Dallas, just. They've got structural issues too, man. They, they've hid Jalen Bronson in this rotation for a long time that I think he would benefit from. Um, weird I mean, factoid. I uh, actually owned his Porsche. Oh, yeah. You bought it directly from him or what? Or-
1: no, he, uh, he sold it to a dealership and then I bought it. And so I, uh, that's like the, the one weird trivia thing that I'm like, huh, that was actually pretty cool. Did they market it as
0: Jalen Bronson's Porsche? Fuck yeah, they did. (laughs) That's dope. Okay, so we've got five teams. Only one of these teams gets a spot, so here we go. Minnesota, Sacramento, Portland, San Antonio, and Houston. They all suck. One of them has to get in. I've got Ah. Minnesota, personally. I think they're a competent team, and once they get some games under their belt as a unit together, now that they're healthy, I think they're going to be nice, man.
1: I I think they have it. I I keep looking at the Kings just because on paper the Kings have a talented team. I mean, Richwan Holmes, I love the effort that he gives. De'Aaron Fox is playing way below. He, you want to talk about a guy that has really regressed. De'Aaron Fox is is probably up there for one of the season leaders in in that spot. Yeah. And you've got Buddy Heald coming off the bench. They they have the talent there, but. God, that franchise is dysfunctional. But still, yeah, I think I'm with you, man. I think I got to go with Minnesota. They're just a little bit more stable. I just don't think the Kings can get by themselves.
0: Yeah. I, and the Kings, like, if you're going to bet in Vegas, one of the sure solid fire bets is to bet on the Kings imploding or losing. So that's an incompetent franchise, and I'll never feel differently about them until they show me otherwise um yeah man and you know Carl Anthony Towns let's not forget this is an all NBA level player he's an all-star player he's probably the best player of all those teams other than maybe Dame depending on how you view Dame as an NBA player and what he's given you this year um so yeah history
1: Dame history Dame by far this year's Dame no and I'd actually say that Anthony Edwards is the best player out of all those Oh, wow, man. I I think it's Anthony Edwards' team. And he started they the season it. looking that way.
0: He's kind of cooled down recently. <sighs> but yeah. I'm, okay. I'm high on Anthony Edwards, man. He's, he's special. So of all those teams, you know, the teams that were left out, Denver, um, Sacramento, Portland, San Antonio, who does Christian Wood maybe turn things around for? Or is there any team in the West that you think he takes to the next level? I think personally, Golden State. Easy. He takes them to the next level. And an interesting one is the Clippers. You know, the Clippers are kind of lacking that second guy to take pressure off Paul George. And what better fit than to pair Paul George with a pick and roll partner and a role that he's shown very competent in securing since Kawhi's gone down. I think they just like Zubac too much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Zupak is one of the fan he's a fan favorite there. I just don't think they're willing to get rid of him. I think that would be a fantastic destination. Just because you need someone to help space the floor a little bit because with Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe out there uh, and Zubach, uh, he just, he clogs the paint. So you've got three guys that are paint players and Wood gives them the the space that they need to let uh, Bledsoe and Jackson operate a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Golden State, we've already discussed it. I'm just not willing to give up the pieces. Does he? Absolutely. But I, I, do I think he's worth the pieces that you would give up? I I just don't because I'm just not a fan of, you know, one season, but sacrificing
0: 10 to 15 years of a franchise. Yeah, man. I think uh, Kaminga is going to be a special player in this league and who knows Wiseman's kind of a toss up, but you know, I think he's... the
1: talent there, he showed that he can start shooting a three and a three at an NBA level for a guy that he was, um, you know, if he can shoot 35%, uh, that's, that's what you're looking for. I think he can. Uh, and we've all seen how just bigs are a little bit slower to develop. Anyways, look at eight and you know, would I take eight on the warriors? Fuck. Yeah. Um, and you know, I would say Aiton would be Wiseman's floor. So if you're talking about an eight and floor and potential Embiid ceiling, like I, I, it's just not worth it for me. Uh, I think he would make Portland better. The issue with Portland is defense. Man. You would have it's defense, so you have to get another defensive player to help. So it's it's got to be a a two player swap. Yeah. So. Maybe they go get some defense somewhere else, but I would actually take him uh, over Nurk. Watching Nurk, he's just so far behind on his uh, his rotations, and he just he looks hesitant after that broken leg that he had. He has spurts, he has been but the same, yeah. No, I I think Christian Woods better than him, so I think Portland
0: Portland would be a good destination if they can go get another defensive piece. Yeah, I think yeah. I agree. Portland still lacks that elite perimeter defender that can shut down the other team's best player. Um, It would be interesting to talk
1: about the Pelicans, though, because, you know, what are you going to do? It's becoming pretty obvious. Zion may never play for the Pelicans again. uh, But do you want to try to keep Brandon Ingram around? You know, so do you bring in Wood to try to
0: uh, pair him with Ingram? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I I don't know if – I don't know if Zion ever plays basketball again. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> he's going to play basketball, but uh, I don't know if Zion necessarily plays basketball anytime soon, or, you know, if you can bank on giving up assets to bring in a guy for a team that might have to blow it up again here in the near future.
1: Yeah. It just looks like Zion is enjoying uh, way too much of the uh, debauchery that we have on our little jaunt down there.
0: Yeah. Bourbon street with his body is not a, not a great spot to be in, but especially
1: all those oysters houses, I can guarantee you
0: he's probably eating about 500 pounds of oyster. With that kind of money, dude, the amount of oysters I would have purchased when we were on our little boys trip in bourbon street would have been ungodly. Yeah. That lady that was seasoning him would have gotten the biggest tip of her life. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. So I want to talk real quick about since we're on the Christian wood tip, last little thing on him. And then I want to talk about the younger guys on this team. And then, for anyone who's stayed on so far, we're gonna have our made-up awards at the end of this podcast as well. So, real quick, let's say theoretically we go the route that we did not agree on, right? And Houston ends up um, making the playoffs. They sneak into the play-in. They win their play-in games, and they end up a playoff team in the West in a loaded Western Conference once again. Christian Wood averages like twenty and ten, and is the best player on this team, leading them to playoffs. Bro, what does that do for him? Like, what does that do for the legacy of Christian Wood and who he is going into the last year of his contract and expiring $12 million contract? One, I think it automatically turns him into a max salary player. But I kind of want to gauge your thoughts, man. Like, where would that put him in the pantheon of NBA players? And, you know, what does that do for him going forward?
1: To me, it doesn't do anything because you're now up to – you know, how many teams get in? It's
0: so 10 teams are playing and eight teams get in.
1: So the 10 teams and what you've got 15 in each conference. 16. 16. So it's, it's really adding those two additional teams. You sneak in the West. Isn't what it used to be. It's got a ton of talent at the top, but it's not like you're looking at it in years past where, you know, the teams that were left out of the playoffs were like 44 and 38 or you know 42 and 40 yeah these teams that are going to be sneaking in to get the 10 spots are going to be a good you know 12 maybe 15 games under 500 um so i don't know that it really does much to me other than it says that this guy is willing to play hard no matter what the the team is going to look like no matter what the the team plan may be if we're going to go young and You know, it it may be rough, but he's a guy that's going to be willing to stick it out. And that does a lot for for team mantra and team build of, uh, you know, this is a guy you may want to think about as a secondary building option because he's not just going to demand, hey, get me out. I can only go where I can win. He's, hey, I'm going to buy into whatever the team philosophy is. And let's go. Let's uh, go out there and do the best that we can. And I'll do my part to the best of my ability. I think that's what it does, and that's what makes him more valuable because I, I don't need leading leading it to those two additional spots is really going to do
0: much. Yeah, you know, it definitely raises his stock. I think he becomes a max salary player automatically, but I like how you mentioned, you know, being the guy on a rebuilding young team without any proven guys on your roster other than like an Eric Gordon I think that does a lot for you, man. Let's think about that. We mentioned that Nets team with Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Think about what it did for those guys, man. Jared Allen went to Cleveland, the dumpster fire of Cleveland, got himself a max salary contract. Spencer Dinwiddie, right before he tears that ACL, signs a massive extension, becomes essentially a near max salary player. For a guy who really only had one or two years of starting NBA, you know, near all-star caliber experience. Karis LeVert, someone I will endorse as one of the most overrated players in today's NBA, earned himself a massive contract. And a lot of NBA Twitter was up in arms about Raphael Stone trading him away for Victor Oladipo, which in hindsight now looks like a pretty good move. Karis LeVert is a horribly inefficient guy with a lot of money attached to his name. He's already 27 and he's a high usage guy. I don't think he'd fit in with this Rockets team at all, nor would he fit in with the timetable of this roster building experiment we have going on.
1: No, and he he definitely wouldn't and Indianapolis is that bad that doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, we'll see we'll see what Sabonis does. We'll see where he ends up. That's going to change the landscape of the NBA too. That's a guy that's going to get traded and that's an all-star caliber guy that's going to help some team win in a big way. Yeah,
1: I think it's it, what you're going to be looking for is Sabonis and healed. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't if he, agree more. And, Heald, and C.J. will goes to the Lakers. I don't think CJ. I've watched CJ enough. He doesn't move the button for me. Uh, I think it's 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 healed. If if healed goes to the Lakers, you switch healed for Westbrook.
0: I I think you see that team reach the potential that they have. I agree, man. Healed is the ideal guard for that backcourt. I just don't I don't know how you move Westbrook's contract, and I don't know, dude. I don't I don't know. I don't know how that happens, but. Let's go with these younger guys now. Let's talk about some of the younger players on this team. And I just want to give you their per-36 numbers because the rotations that Silas has employed for the Houston Rockets has been all over the place. So we'll talk per-36 numbers for all these guys. And I want to ask you, like, what do you think is the best version of these players and what have you thought of each of them? Because they've each played a unique role in this season thus far, and we'll explain accordingly. The first one we have to talk about, obviously, is Jalen Green, right? Rookie sensation, second overall pick out of the G League Ignite. Um, A lot of people were down on Jalen for the first few weeks of the regular season because, you know, he didn't – he had like a a 30-piece one game. He had that Lakers game where he was clutch and showed huge signs – But he resembled his G League season in a lot of ways, being up and down, very sporadic, inconsistent shooter. He's like only 28% from three and 38% from the field. But again, he's a 19-year-old guard coming into form, trying to figure out how to play in an NBA offense. An NBA offense that didn't have a real point guard and had two centers clogging up your lane at all times. So I think the script is yet to be written on Jalen Green. I hold nothing against him in his first 18 games and the subsequently 11 missed games since he strained his hamstring. Um, And I think we're going to learn a lot more about him. I don't think we can say anything about him thus far.
1: Agreed. He's, he's one that you just have to make a, a, take a guess based off of just his athletic ability, but you know, athleticism wise, he's someone, he's like a Vince Carter, you know, but we'll see. I think he could be Vince
0: Carter, but, you know, it, it's to be determined. Yeah, uh, Vince Carter, Zach Levine, just a, a guy who needs to kind of mold into his body. His per-36 numbers aren't anything crazy. He's 16 points, four rebounds, three assists, uh, pretty pretty bad splits, like I mentioned before. But, again, time will tell the tale with Jalen Green. So that is to be determined. Uh, another guy that I brought up earlier, man, I had the hot take of Jay Sean Tate being the most NBA ready guy to be plugged into a rotation right now and contribute, bro. I I am so high on Jay Sean Tate. I think he's probably the player with the lowest ceiling of all the guys that we're going to talk about, but he has the highest floor. He is the current version of what Usman Garuba will be for this Rockets team. And he's a guy that hustles makes the winning plays, plays extremely physical. And for a 26-year-old guy who's got professional experience down in Australia and who's had to work his way into the NBA, he still plays with a chip on his shoulder that I love to see. I, the, the close games that we win, man, the stats will never reflect this, but a lot of them are because of small plays that Jay Sean Tate makes. And his per 36 numbers show that accordingly. He's given you 16 points. About eight rebounds, four assists, a steal and a block. He's a guy that plays the four and the five despite being six foot four and still has some ball handling capabilities to initiate out of the high post as well. Jayshon Tate, bro, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if you've seen a lot of him, but this guy is a basketball fucking player. And I think any team, their floor would be raised just with his motor alone.
1: You know, I, I haven't seen him play a lot, of course, being up in the Pacific Northwest. We really don't get a lot of Rockets games other than some highlights. But from what I have seen, you're right. To me, um, what I see him as being is, is he's that, that glue IQ guy that you need. He's like a, he's the Warriors, the, war, the Prime Warriors version, granted, or potentially a Prime Warriors version of Iguodala. Like he he gives you the hustle, he gives you the gritty defense, he knows the plays that need to be made, and you know, he can just kind of do it all. So yeah, I, but- I think that's what he could be, granted that, you know, it really remains to be seen if he does have an Iguodala level of basketball IQ, but from from what I've seen,
0: I think it could be there. Yeah. You know, the only thing he's got going against them is he's 26. And again, the Rockets with their younger guys being 19, 20, 21 years old, you wonder if Jay Sean Tate fits their timetable and how much room does he have to improve at 26 years old being six foot four and kind of being at the peak of his own athleticism, his athletic prime, so to speak. I don't know, man. I don't know if Jay Sean Tate is going to be here come next year. I think he might be, A casualty contract since he's on such a team friendly contract as well that you have to throw in with, say, an Eric Gordon contract or say a Christian would trade, depending on what you're trying to net return. So, Jay Sean Tate, man, I love him. I'll speak the world about him. If I had to take a guess right now, though, I don't think he's a Houston Rocket come around February of 2023. I don't think he survived.
1: Go ahead. I I agree. He's someone that uh, if Portland was going to make a trade, that's who you want.
0: You want Wood and Tate. Yeah. Uh, A guy who's very, very similar to what Jay Sean Tate brings, but I think is better in terms of what ceiling he has. And a lot of Rocket, there's like a cult following of his in Rocket's Twitter that identifies his capabilities and his potential. And that's my guy, man. KJ Martin, Kenyon Martin Jr., This kid, dude, I'm telling you right now, he is going to be a stud. He's not getting the minutes that I would have liked to see him get due to the rotations and kind of being a casualty of some veterans trying to up their value by getting playing time. But I think KJ Martin, once he gets a run and once he gets that experience under his belt – is going to be a fucking stud in this league this is a guy who again he doesn't have a lot of like james wiseman doesn't really have a lot of basketball experience like professional basketball experience he went to prep school after high school uh didn't get any ncaa experience was drafted by the rockets during covid played a lot of time in the g league and then got some run towards the end of the season where he really impressed folks and he's finally had, like, a full training camp this offseason and has been a full member of this rotation, getting 17 minutes a game. His per 36 numbers are, like, identical to Tate's. He's given you about 16 a game, seven rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. Field goal percentage is incredible at 54. He operates beautifully around the rim at putbacks, energy plays, running fast break. Uh, but where he's been a disappointment this year has been his three-point shooting. He showed signs at 37% last year, but he's barely cracking 30% right now. Um, And that's going to be the big hindrance on his game as a tweener, a 3-4, potentially a small ball five, is having the ability to space things out for your guards. I
1: mean, I I don't know. I'm not that high on him. I think he's his dad, just shorter. Um, So I I think he can be a good –
0: Role player, but I, I don't think he's going to be anything special. He just Bro, Kenyon Martin was a bad dude. He was a top three player on Nets teams that went to back to back finals.
1: Uh, I don't know. He really never to me did much. He peaked, you know, in his 2003 2004 season with 16.7 nine and a half rebounds. And you know, I I don't think I think that's something that Junior can do. But to me, that that doesn't
0: scream you know nba superstar oh yeah i don't think he'll be a superstar by any means but like i said a high floor uh low ceiling kind of guy and you know if you have a guy who gave you the numbers that you just mentioned or when he was in denver was giving you about 13 and 7 off the bench every year you know team usa guy for one of the weakest team usa's ever you know i think i think rockets fans would be happy (laughs) with that kind of a ceiling for KJ Martin. And he's a guy I can see staying here a long time, dude. He's gone through the ranks. He went through the G league process, younger guys been taken under the wing of John Lucas. And I think he's one of those locker room culture guys that they really want to keep here for a long time. And again, second round pick, you know, 55th pick of the draft with a friendly four-year contract. The Rockets are known so, you know, notoriously for around the league and securing. So he's going to be here for a while, man. Um, There's one more guy I want to mention before we close things out with our awards. And that's the Turkish God himself. The youngest MVP ever in the Turkish league, which by the way is the third best league in the world. It's the NBA, the Euro league, and then the Turkish league. Talking about my guy. Uh, oh, you make me so happy, Alperin Shengun. Houston, you make me so happy. The the most meme worthy NBA rookie, and probably the best rookie in terms of performance on an NBA roster this year for the Houston Rockets, Alperin, the Turk Shengun.
1: From what I've seen of him, he's going to be fun. He's going to be a lot of fun. The passes that he makes out of the high post are. They're they're great to watch. He's got some great vision. The the things that he thinks up with his passes are great. He's smooth. I I think he's
0: got a bright future. You can say it, bro. Just go ahead and say baby Jokic. Just let it come out. Just let it happen. I
1: don't know that I'd go that far. I'd probably say pal. Oh,
0: okay. Baby or real pal.
1: Mm, I think real pal. I think prime pal. There you go. I don't think he's, he's got a good enough vision to be Jokic. Jokic's vision is just it's, – it's like CP3 level. He's, he's a point guard. But for what Shingoon has, I think he's definitely you're, – you're talking about uh, – uh, who would you actually say passed better, Powell, or Mark?
0: I would – oh, man, that's tough. I would have to go with Powell because what Powell did in Memphis – initiating that offense and carrying that Memphis team to so many playoff berths, despite a lack of consistent backcourt play, like Damon Stoudemire was, <laughs> was their like saving guard during those the mid two thousands Memphis years. And Powell was able to carry that offense. Mark is a, a good complimentary fit, but I don't think Mark was ever the fulcrum of an NBA offense. He always had Mike Conley to kind of lean on and Zach Randolph initiated a lot of their half court sets as well.
1: That's true. Here, uh, okay, I got one that I like better. He's got the, he'll has got he have the passing abilities of Joachim Noah, but the
0: scoring ability of Powell. Man, and if he had even half of Joachim Noah's defensive prowess, he'd be a top 20 player in the NBA. Oh, absolutely. He, that's
1: something he definitely has to work on is, is his defense. But I think he's got Joachim Noah's passing ability. Cause, man, watching that prime Noah and those bull teams – was – that was something special to watch. His vision was insane.
0: Yeah, I agree. What a a cliff he fell off when he went to New York. But I agree, man. You know, he's – per 36 numbers, he's a playmaker, dude. He's going to give you about five assists in per 36 – about nine rebounds, 18 points a game. He's shooting 50% from the field. He can shoot the three, but he he really lacks confidence, man. You notice him kind of hesitate and make an unnecessary extra pass if he, ever, if he ever gets the rotation out to him on an open three. So he's got a lot to work on, but he's 19 years old, dude. He's 19 years old with professional experience under his belt in the limelight. Um, and I think, you know, a big reason we talk about Christian Wood a huge segment of this podcast being Christian would trade speculation is because you have the safety net of an Alperin. Oh, Houston, you make me so happy. Shen Goon resting in the sideline.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got to give the guy playing time
0: because he's just, he's fun to watch. Yeah. Just give me one Houston. You make me so happy and we can move on. Oh, Houston, you make me so happy. <laughs> And there you have it, man. Houston Rockets, about a half of the season way through podcast. Um, let's do something fun, man. We're not going to do a mid-season award po- like episode here, but let's do a made-up awards episode. Let's move away from the Rockets and broaden our scope to the NBA. And we've got some made-up awards for the listeners here that I think you guys are going to enjoy. We're going to start the made-up award tour here with the award that's given to the NBA player that's just a hollow stat stuffer, right? We used to hear this about Zach Levine back in the day before the Bulls assembled a competent roster to allow him to win with the output that he had, Um, but we're going to name this. Kel, why don't you go ahead and, and present this award and what the name is, since this was inspired by one of your favorite players ever.
1: So to me, the winner of the Russell Westbrook Award is, of course, Russell Westbrook. I mean, you're looking at a guy right now that's dropping 19, 19 and a half points a game, almost eight rebounds a game, slightly over eight assists a game, and his PER right now is 16. He's added one and a half win shares. And the Lakers look terrible on the court unless he is the sole focus and the sole playmaker out there. They, he plays no defense. We've known that. And now his offense, it, it, it's just hollow. It's there solely because he takes so many shots. I, I mean, it's, he's still one of the worst three point shooters in the game and he takes three point shots at the worst possible times and air balls them. Uh, and he just, he still plays out of control. You know, his, his sister are down from a, almost 12 last year to 8.3 yet he's still averaging four and a half turnovers so he's he's just out there putting up stats but the Lakers are worse off having him on the court in my opinion
0: you know like 10-15 years from now there's going to be some kid with his like own YouTube channel and 500,000 subscribers and he's going to ask like how did these teams how did Houston like not win the championship with Russell Westbrook averaging 27, 8, and 7? How did the Wizards not make the playoffs with him averaging 22 and 12 with 12 rebounds as well? And it's because of what you said, man. He has been a hollow stat stuffer that doesn't really add a lot in terms of winning. And the reason for that has always been the same, I think. And it goes back to his OKC days. And to put it simply, man, it's the fact that he is the most uncomplimentary superstar i have ever seen in my time as a basketball fan is that a I fair mean, statement to make you think
1: i fully agree look at the names that he has played with james harden twice kevin durant bradley beal and now lebron and ad and what does he have to show for it nothing paul uh, George. Forgot, paul george key, but Playoff, he adds nothing to me because come playoff time, you know what you're going to get. Oh, he's
0: 13 Reasons Why for you?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But look at the amount of talent that Westbrook has played around is insane. Like, you're hard-pressed, or at least I would be, to find a guy of Westbrook's talent that has played with the talent that Westbrook has. The only other one would be LeBron, but
0: two different stratospheres, and LeBron has things to show for it. And I would disagree. You know, I think Westbrook's played with more talent than LeBron has. I think LeBron's played with a lot of guys. A lot of his co-superstars have been guys that are either get one year of their prime or pass their primes. So like AD, we got one year of prime AD. That's it. Dwayne Wade, we got one and a half, maybe two years of prime D-weight. That's it. Kyrie, we got like one year of prime Kyrie and he requests a trade, you know, two years later. Um, but I don't mean to go on a tangent there, but yeah, dude, Russell Westbrook. No, you
1: make a good point. I I think that's right. Cause uh, just by saying it, do I love D Wade? Absolutely. But while I
0: say D Wade is I take D Wade over Durant. Fuck no. Yeah. 2020 James Harden, I think is better than, you know, a 30 year old Dwayne Wade who's had miles on his body. Bradley Beal, you know, 2021 Bradley Beal is the best shooting guard in basketball. Paul George that season in OKC, uh, what was it? I think it was the 20... It was he was the 20, only there for one year. What, yeah, it was, no, he was there for two. He was there for two. In 2018, they lost to the Jazz. 2019, they got ousted by Damian Lillard's bad shot from half court at the box. Ah, that's right. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, this is a good pick, man. Uh, my Russell Westbrook award, other than Russell Westbrook, would be Devin Booker, man. I don't know how you feel about that, but Devin Booker, you know, there was criticisms about him being an empty stat stuffer guy when Phoenix couldn't win games and make the playoffs. Chris Paul gets there. Everyone touts Devin Booker for an incredible performance. He's an all-star and he puts up all-star like numbers, 26, four and four. But bro, Devin Devin Booker puts up back-to-back 40 point games in the playoffs and they lose the games. And despite the stats that I just brought up, people still say Chris Paul is the heart of that team, the engine that makes them go. By all accounts, the best player on a Suns team. How are you not an empty stats guy if you're averaging 29, 5, and 5, or I'm sorry, 23, 5, and 5, and you're still not heralded as your team's best player?
1: I So the him dropping those games last year, that was more of a product. It wasn't, you know empty stats on his behalf, it was that they figured out how to handle Aiton. Aiton really is what made that team special, and then once the Bucks figured out how to neutralize it, it was all over. They just dominated the paint. They destroyed Phoenix down there, so you can score as much as you want, taking the more inefficient, further out shots, while almost every time Milwaukee's going down and getting a Giannis dunk or a, a Lopez dunk. So... I think that's more of what the issue was not Booker but I I don't know I I don't classify him as hollow
0: but I do agree I think Chris Paul is what makes makes Phoenix special. Can we agree that you're probably not winning a championship with Devin Booker as your best player?
1: Yeah, he just he, he doesn't have that dog
0: mentality that you need. And he's not the playmaker we thought he would turn into at this stage in his career as a high-volume usage, you know, shooting guard prototype. So I think that hurts him, man. I think it, guards in today's game should be averaging at least six or seven assists to be deemed competent. Uh, this isn't the mid-2000s where even T-Max only given you five or six assists a game because of the slow nature of a half-court set and some of the offenses that they ran back then. So that's kind of concerning for me. But anyways – that's well, my last I'd, side piece.
1: I'd still, I'd still have Devin Booker on my
0: team. Westbrook, absolutely oh, yeah. not. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't make – as a basketball player, Devin Booker over Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, I I don't know, man. Is there a situation in the NBA where you would want Russell Westbrook inserted? I'm trying to think. Um, I mean,
1: probably Detroit because then that guarantees they'll definitely finish with the worst record.
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, fuck Cade Cunningham getting any kind of experience this year. Let's just tank as fast as we can. Uh,
1: no, I don't think there is. I think honorable
0: mention is Paul George. Yeah. Oh, you have Paul George is really one of your hollow, empty stat guys?
1: Yep. He's always been one. He'll put up big numbers, but when it counts, he shrinks.
0: Uh, you don't think he kind of rehabbed that image? during last year's playoffs without Kawhi, he was big, man. He had some clutch moments too, and his numbers were outstanding.
1: Yeah, but it's hard for me to look over what he did in Indiana,
0: all those flops, and especially the flop in OKC. The OKC one I'll hold against him. Indiana, I don't know, man. Indiana, he, he didn't really have much help other than like a very aged David West for one or two of those years. The rest of those guys, I mean, you saw what their careers became once they left Indiana. And he was going up against prime LeBron, man. A LeBron that wasn't even going to let the Celtics' big three stop him from getting his ring.
1: True, but I don't know. I've always, I've always thought Paul George could provide
0: more. I'm trying to <laughs> – I'm looking over these teams. Like, none of the playoff teams in the West, I would want Westbrook anywhere near. Maybe the Clip No, not the Clippers. I wouldn't want him next to Paul George. The Nuggets? No. Him and – he would make watching basketball with Jokic unenjoyable. Um, and then in the East, is there anyone that he could take to the next level? Chicago? Hell no. Milwaukee? No, he's basically Eric Bledsoe with extra inches. Um, Miami? I, I, would I take Bledsoe over Westbrook. You take who over Westbrook? I take Bledsoe over Westbrook. The- Bledsoe uh, plays phew. defense. Yikes. Uh, let's not open that bag. Maybe Boston? Boston? Maybe no.
1: There's no way. You think Jason Tatum has let some somebody else challenge him for thirty shots a
0: game? <laughs> He's the worst volume guy I've ever seen. Philly. What about him next to Embiid?
1: No, they need spacing. They don't need even more cramp.
0: Yeah, I mean Westbrook is the definition of cramp. What's his uh, I they, oh, there's guys. there's no one. I mean. Before we move on from this award, there's something that I've never been able to explain about Russell Westbrook, and that's his free throw percentage. The guy was like an 80% free throw shooter all the way until 2017, and he hasn't cracked like 70% but one time in the last four years. It's been really weird to see. It makes absolutely no sense. I I don't know, dude. I don't have an explanation for it. Let's go to our next award, man. This is the award for the guy who – If you see him on TV, you're like, wait, that guy's still around. I called this the Pat Bev Award because I saw him uh, have like a heated moment in the Wolves game last night. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to give this award to Pat Bev, but it's interesting to still see the Wolverine around. And it's really the Wolverine Logan blood streaming through his veins that have allowed him to persist despite all his injuries and his physical style of play. I think we came to an agreement on who wins this award, bro. So go ahead and throw it at me.
1: Uh, well, I've, I've had second thoughts on mine, so I'm going to go with Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Who's he playing for? He's in Utah. That's why I heard it the other night. Like, I thought they were just screwing up Gobert's last name. They kept saying Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay. And I'm like, dude, it's Gobert. Like you cannot be botching it that bad. Sure. Shit. It's Rudy fucking Gay. Damn. He's a rotation player. He's giving them nine points a game. I thought he was done. Like, he once he went to um, San Antonio and just got old, he he got old. I thought he was out of the league.
0: Man, I'm, you think if the Rockets never traded Rudy Gobert for – or I'm sorry, you just did it to me. If they never traded Rudy Gay for Shane Battier and you had another guy who'd give you 20 a game, albeit inefficiently and on high usage – you think that Rockets team would have been any different, any better?
1: I always thought that the Rockets would have been better with Rudy Gay. He he just gave them that little extra bit of scoring ability that they just didn't seem to have.
0: Yeah, man. that The third scoring option for that team was Luther fucking head from 06 to like 09. They would have really – they could have used another guy that could alleviate the perimeter pressure off Tracy McGrady. And as popular as a trade it was from an analytical perspective, man, that looking back on it in hindsight – I would have liked to have Rudy Gay on that Rockets team.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think Rudy on the Rockets team that that would have been a much better team than what you saw.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I had Paul Millsap for my Pat Beverly Award. You know, just the guy was barely giving you legible minutes when he was on the Nuggets and. All of a sudden, like from the NBA preseason, we expected him to be an eight man guy on the Nets team that was vying for a championship. I don't know what we were thinking, but he's looked bad and it hurts to watch a player like him who I thought the Rockets highly coveted a guy like that during the Harden years, a stretch kind of four or five, was also a great locker room guy who did all the dirty work. And now it's like, can we find another forward so we don't have to include Paul Millsap in these tough to watch 15 minutes a game? So that's my guy.
1: Yeah, Paul, Paul's definitely there. It's just uh, thinking about it. I was like, uh, who was it that actually made me ask that
0: question? It was Rudy Gay. That's right. Um, Let's go on to this is going to be called the Tyreek Evans Award. This is a a young guy who had an incredible year or two and just kind of never took that next step. Like we saw from Tyreek Evans, you know, he was like, one of the only handful of rookies ever to have a rookie 25 and 5 season. You know, some names like MJ, Oscar, uh, LeBron were thrown into the mix. So he was in high, really high, great company. And then we saw what happened with the rest of his career. So who's your Tyreek Evans Award winner? Uh, right now, for me, it's RJ Barrett. I was the same, same one. We didn't talk about this one before the pod, but I've got the same guy. Tell me why. R.J.
1: Barrett, I mean, he he didn't look great his first year. That was kind of expected. You know, he was supposed to be the focal point and the best player on that Duke team, and Zion took the nation by storm, and so he, he never looked comfortable there, and it translated over. I figured it was a combination of that and just moving to a faster-paced game. Looked better last year, and then this year with largely the same pieces, just – He's regressed, but even the jump that he took last year isn't the jump that I was expecting. I was expecting like a a, a SGA type jump where you're talking like from the 14.3 points a game to like 25 points a game. Now you're talking like SGA is the franchise in OKC. And in New York, you know, I've seen some reports that it's like, all right, who. What superstar can we package R.J. Barrett for? We would we throw him in for Dame? Whereas, would you even think about you know if based on the talent that R.J. Barrett has that that would even be an option with him this young into his career? But wow, for me, that's, that's an interesting one. He he has not lived up to anything, nor does he look like he's going to live up to anything.
0: So, you know, Nabil and I did a podcast uh, earlier in the year where we talked about the top 10 players under the age of 21 in the NBA. And I'll give you the top four. Okay. So number one was Zion. Number two was Lamello. Number three, we both had RJ Barrett, number three, with number four behind him, being a guy who's broken the fuck out this year, being Anthony Edwards. You know, RJ Barrett looked like he was on pace for a breakout season. He Great splits, 44 from the field, 40% from three. Upped his scoring, upped his isolation, upped his uh, spot-up shooting rates as well. And so he worked with Drew Hamlin in the summer, and everyone thought, boom, like this is it. Like you said, he's going to bust out, be a 25-a-game guy, excellent defender, excellent frame for a guard forward, point forward, whatever you want to turn him into. And if anything, bro, he's taking a step back this year. So I'm yeah, with you he's there.
1: he's got a PR of 12. He's got half a win share, and for the
0: talent that's on on that Knicks team, that's completely unacceptable. That's an interesting trade scenario, man. R.J. Barrett and some pieces for Dame Lillard. I, Damian Lillard on that New York team, you know, the opportunity in, in the East is it's right there, man. Who knows what the Nets are going to – hey, if you have a playoff series with the Nets, Knicks-Nets, Kyrie's not playing, bro. And so you've got Damian Lillard and Julius Randle with all the pieces they have in Thibodeau's grinded out system. That's interesting, man. And you know, if the Nets are calling shit or I'm sorry, if the Blazers are calling and they're shipping Dame out and they're asking you for say, I don't know, RJ Barrett and one of your young pieces and an unprotected pick the Knicks are going to really be thinking about that, and if I had to lean one way or the other, I say the Knicks t- take that trade. Right oh, away. they take
1: it in a second. They'd even take it if it was RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, um, and then like three unprotected first-round picks. They'd take it. Man, that's yeah. You bring up an interesting, interesting hypothetical here because that's where Dame um, wants to play. Dame's got the superstar power that New York has really been longing for, and you know. Dame's Dame plays big in playoffs, and that's what New York's been been wanting. Melo never really stepped up in the playoffs, uh, and so I think they do it. New York's willing to spend the money to sign Dame to that extra one hundred and ten over two years that he wants.
0: Yeah, you're, you're probably gonna have to throw in Kemba's contract into that, as well as like a wing that can give them some defense. I don't know who that would be on that Knicks roster, uh, but Mitchell Robinson would probably get thrown in there as well. Um, Man, that's (laughs) that's a fun hypothetical to think about. I think Um, it happens because I think Portland blows it up. Yeah, it's it's only a matter of time, man. Uh, Let's see, man. Let's go to our next award. This is the Kobe Bryant Award, RIP Mamba. Who's been the player who has been the most clutch to you this year? Just who puts the most fear into your heart if they have the ball in their hands in the closing minutes of a game?
1: For me, guys, it kills me to say it. Being a diehard Curry fan, it's the Slim Reaper. I mean, you're talking about arguably the greatest scorer of all time with an unguardable frame. It, I just don't know that there's any other option.
0: Yeah, he gets whatever shot he wants from wherever he ever wants. Um, it, the clutch shooting report on him is number one in the league, being Kevin Durant. It's just like the, <laughs> all, the, all the numbers, all the advanced analytics fit for him, right? But for me, man, just still fear in my heart from being tormented as a Rockets fan, Steph Curry, like it feels so good in a, in a way that the Rockets are as bad as they've been because I can just enjoy watching Steph destroy other teams and not have to worry about what he does to my team because I can appreciate him for what he's doing and make no mistake about it, man. Same can be said about Kevin Durant, but make no mistake about the fact that Steph Curry is a generational player and. In a certain way, I feel like we kind of take for granted what he does and what he's been doing over the course of this historic stretch that he's had. But Agreed, and and
1: people are saying, of course, you know, his three point record will be passed, you've got all these players having this. Steph had to Steph had to work up to these shots because Mark Jackson wouldn't let him shoot as much as he wanted until Kerr got there, and so, I mean, he's opened it up for all these young guys. I still don't know that anybody's going to have the – they may have the volume to get there because of the way the league is going, but if you're going to talk about volume and accuracy,
0: I don't know that we're ever going to see anybody like that. Yeah, Uh, but to support your point here, man, you know, the league average effective field goal percentage during normal games is about 46%. In the clutch, in potential game-winning tying scenarios, it's about 37%. KD is shooting 56% during that time. And your boy Steph, only 39%. So statistically, you know, KD is by far the clear option. You can frustrate Steph.
1: You can, you can box him. and You can get him there just because he's not big. KD right. is a human cheat code. Yeah. But if we're going to talk about specific, like you need somebody to win one specific game, game six play. I don't care that he's been out for two years. It's game six play. He's still going to, he could not play until game six of the NBA Finals this year. That'd be his first game. Clay's coming out dropping
0: 55 points. Agreed. Yeah. Don't bring back those memories. Um, let's go on to the Per 36 King, right? there. This is an interesting, fun award that. Basically, you take any random player in the NBA who's not considered an all-star, who's not considered even like borderline all-star, and give me a crazy per 36-minute stat line for that player that would make you consider, hmm, in a theoretical world that they could stay on the floor for that long. This would be an interesting player to have on my team. So give me your guy, and I'll throw you the surprise player that I put on here.
1: For me, it's always going to be Bobon. I mean, you look at Bobon and what he's able to do per 36, his efficiency, it is, you can't really even chart it. Like, it's so far off. I remember reading an article a couple of years ago, Bobon is the most efficient scorer in NBA history, or at least he was at that time. And it's really sad to see if Bobon would have been born, like if it's where he could have played in the late 80s, early 90s. You, we'd be talking about a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like, we legitimately would because his he, when he plays big minutes, he matches his per 36 numbers. Like, it, it's not like it's just this small little burst. And then when he plays for 25 minutes a game, he still averages those. You put Bob on in for 25 minutes a game, he's giving you like 22, 12, five blocks, just insane off the chart efficiency numbers.
0: I'm trying to like so. This year, he'd be giving you 29, 11, and a block a game on 65% field goal shooting. Uh, That's that's nuts. What's even more impressive is looking at his uh, 2018 tenure with the Clippers. He's given them 25, 19 rebounds, a block, and a steal on 55% from the field in per 36 numbers.
1: He's he's a human cheat code. It's just such a shame that the NBA what it is what it is now or else we would be talking about something completely different
0: yeah I can't, that's one thing if he was born maybe like 10 20 years ago, earlier what if he was born in like the roman times or the you know the invasion of the persian army and the greek wars can you imagine him being like the guy you have to face across the battlefield like you send your best champion and the guy on the other side is this seven-foot-seven seven beast who just looks like a monster out of the God of War movies or well, the God mean, of War you, video games.
1: You try to fucking sling a goddamn rock in a slingshot, and all he has to do is put up his, what,
0: like 25-inch hands, and he's covered, you know, he just half just of starts, his vital organs. He just starts, like, chewing on the rock after he catches it. Mm, yeah. Boban don't like. I
1: mean, pretty much, fuck, back then, he'd just have to do a hand clap, and the force from that would
0: bowl over like the whole army of persia yeah don't talk about my people bro um my guy for you is also a center i think centers are just <laughs> their rebounding numbers and their everything is just so inflated uh i got javel magee oh. 24 20 this year his per 34 number per 36 numbers for the suns 24 points a game 17 rebounds a game two blocks a game on from the field I love me some JaVale I loved his time in Golden State
1: he was so much fun to watch yeah he he puts up some great minutes but god he's such an idiot at times (laughs) that's the thing that that keeps it off is yeah his per 36 is great but when it comes time that you need the outlet pass he's gonna try to dunk it from 19 feet away
0: and come up 17 feet short yeah yeah, he uh, – there's – you can't just – you can't explain it, right? There's just dumb basketball players. We already talked about Russell Westbrook dribbling the ball off his foot during playoff games. JaVale McGee's just one of those, you know, to put it quite frankly, he is a and a Fool MVP, and that's what he'll be remembered by. as his legacy in the league, despite the fact that he's a great role player and a great bench center.
1: He really is, and you look at it when he's got this fantastic lead point guard like he did in Steph and then like he has now in Chris Paul. It's really sad that he didn't get a play with one of these point guards in his prime. And, you know, maybe we'd be looking at JaVale a little bit differently because if you're talking about an athletic freak for a center, you're hard-pressed to find one that's better than him. He, he's got all the athleticism that you can ask for. And with the right point guard telling him where to be, you know, things maybe could have worked out a little differently for him.
0: Yeah, we got two more awards here, brother. Let's do the Shane Battier Award, which is basically like, who's your, who's your 3&D guy? Who's the best, most ideal one? Not necessarily a superstar, but a role player 3&D guy you think could fit well on a, on a championship team. I'll let you lead this one off. Bro, I got my guy. I've been high on him from draft day. I don't know why a trade was made on draft day for him. This is Mikhail Bridges, man. Mikhail Bridges is a dog as far as a glue guy for that Suns team and someone that can just do all the little things for your team. A Young, high-energy guy, shoots the shoots three ball extremely well, 39%, and has the frame to guard really the one through the four for that Phoenix team. I think his praises are undersung for that team and just what he's been able to do for them. I don't think they have the success that they do without what he brings to the table.
1: I fully agree. Um, the one I'm going to go with this year is going to be Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I think he's finally starting to uh, grow into the potential with the right system. And the defense and three-point shooting that he has provided in the absence of Clay this year has been huge. Um, I-, I think he, if you take Andrew Wiggins off this team, we're not, what, we're not the team that you see right now. Um, and I, I think it's really because of him being willing to embrace a certain role that the Warriors are arguably the best team in the NBA. But I think Bridges is a great pick. Uh, watching him against Portland the other night, like he just, just dagger threes and is just pressuring um, any outside shooting. I mean, Norman Powell looked horrendous
0: anytime time Bridges tried to close on him. Yeah, man, and, and to piggyback off your point on Andrew Wiggins, yeah, talk about a rehab of a player that we thought was lost. He, his splits are incredible this year. His scoring is efficient. He's finally taking less mid-range shots. You know, he, he finally has a role. You know, Minnesota's been trash at developing young talent. He finally has a role that can make him feel like a used part of a good offense. And before the season, I feel like any hypothetical trade we had about the Warriors had to involve him. And <laughs> now, from at least Warriors' Twitter that I look at, I don't really see them throwing him in any hypothetical trades. I think he's a key piece of what this team wants to do going forward. And the biggest strength of this team right now being their defense, they're ranked number four in defensive rating in the NBA right now. Um, and, you know, this is the identity of the Warriors as the second best team in the league, record wise at least, has been their defense. And Wiggins. Along with Draymond Green, has been at the forefront of that.
1: I fully agree. I think Andrew Wiggins has played himself to where he's untouchable. (laughs) Unless it's crazy to hear. Unless it's like you're talking, you know, a legitimate like superstar. Like Billy decided, hey, uh, you know, let's. I'll give you Embiid for for Wiggins and pull. Fuck yeah, you're pulling that trade every day. Um, But outside of anything like that, uh, Wiggins is he's untouchable. We can't not have his
0: defense.
1: Yeah, And he's I, shooting over 40% from three.
0: I, I did you ever think that was possible? No, and his release is so quick too, man. You know, it, it's, he's the ideal catch and shoot wing guy off of Steph to kind of bring that gravitational pull Steph has,
1: a I mean, li- taking it a little more seriously. I mean, he's got a chance potentially to go uh,
0: 50-40 from the field. Yeah. Last one, man. This is our KG Award, the Kevin Garnett Award. And we're naming it so because, bro, Kevin Garnett carried some dog Minnesota franchises for the greater part of a decade, right? And as a young guy who succeeded out of high school, who carried a team that just was unable to surround him with talent, you hate to see that. And we're seeing it again in today's NBA. We see it every every generation. There's going to be a young guy who gets wasted, wasted away during his prime. There's DeMarcus Cousins um there's been a flurry of other guys from the 2010s that we can go through who's your guy right now who's like a young like 24 and under young guy who's getting wasted away on a team uh hmm how old is deer and fox oh yeah i think fox is actually exactly 24
1: if he if he qualifies it's going to be deer and fox but if he doesn't it's going to be
0: sga yeah, SGA, he's a good one, man. And he's shown you, you know, from the season he had with CP3 that as your second best guy, he's hes going to take your team somewhere. I mean, with the season that he had last year, he jumped up from
1: 19 to almost 24 points a game. Granted, his numbers have really plummeted this year because Lou Dort has not really taken that uh, that jump that we thought that he would.
0: And it Lou, Lou Dort I, took a good jump, man. I just think that the Pelicans – or not the Pelicans, the Thunder just have a bad roster, man. I think they're, well, they're going to stay bad for a couple of years.
1: His numbers to begin the year were really poor. He was shooting under 40% from the field, uh, but he's bumped that up with a re- recent hot streak. Um, it, the Thunder are going to be pretty bad, and it's just, you know, are they really going to make all those stockpiled dra- draft picks worth something, or are they going to leave SGA there to to flounder and hopefully carry a bunch of, you know – Guys that were picked from eight to to fifteenth to some mediocre playoff spots, like with KG. I don't know, but for me right now, if it's if Darren Fox is there, it's him. Uh, what what the Kings have done to him is criminal. I mean, he, this year he just he looks like he's taken the full Barry Sanders mode of, you know, what I I have no interest. If we're gonna be this pathetic, then pocket i just don't
0: care yeah he's as a houston native he's been a tough guy to watch and you know we've mentioned it so many times on this podcast before man it's the sacramento king's way of doing things is to just let talent die away on their franchise and at least you know at least you're starting to hear rumblings of De'Aaron fox trade rumors around the nba you hope he can find a good spot in the nba that can develop him to what he's had um, I hope he I, gets out because he doesn't deserve to be boogied. Yeah, yeah. But and we we saw what the NBA's perception of boogie was after he was boogied by that franchise, and that's not fair to anyone. Um, how old is De'Aaron Fox? Is what like? He's 29? twenty-three. He's twenty-three. Yeah, he's gonna find a home somewhere, man. He'll be. He able turns to-
1: twenty-four
0: in two days. Okay, my guy. And I don't know if you remember what I told you about this guy but I always said he's only going to last like two or three years as a prime player in the NBA because of his body. And I got Zion Williamson, man. Zion, even though he's not playing this year, yeah, this is a bold prediction. Even though he's not playing this year, I think we've seen the best of Zion. Is that crazy of me to say like year two, 20 year olds averaging 27, seven and four. 61% I mean, from the it's field. not
1: as crazy as it used to be because just with based with that body type, it's there have been some questions about his worth it work ethic, and there's the potential that he could be the. Granted, he's shown way more than Jamarcus Russell, but he's got that kind of Jamarcus Russell build and somewhat of a lazy fair, not going to put in all the effort attitude, and you know, I could see that there's there is a percentage chance that that does happen,
0: that we're talking about Zion in a, a couple of years is a bust. It's so sad too, you know, like watching him play, dude, in spite of Stan Van Gundy's coaching last year, the guy got to his spots whenever he wanted. He was unstoppable when he got to those spots. Um, he <laughs> they, There was this – towards the second half of the season there was this point zion run that the pelicans went on running him as the point guard. oh that was so fun to watch running him as the ball handler and pick and roll schemes it's crazy with a roster that's not really even built correctly around him steven adams at the center position eric Bledsoe running around so i think zion if you he were healthy in a great situation is a scare a generational talent like he's going to be a top five player easy but I'm telling you right now, man, I don't think we're ever going to see it. And I think we've seen the peak of the Zion hype. And it's all going to go downhill from here. I, that body, just physics, man. Your body at that weight can't handle that tremendous level of athleticism.
1: I, I hope you're wrong. Because to me, he's got the potential to be the most dominant inside force since Shaq.
0: Yeah, me too. Like I he, hope so too.
1: He has it. God, he's fun to watch. Like he's, he's Shaq mixed with Paul Gasol. Like the the vision for the big man, it it, it's crazy. It's something that you, I don't know that we've seen somebody of that size be able to do. And uh, it'd be a, there's a potential if if he doesn't play this year and then can't get in shape for next year. I don't know. I don't know that he'll ever get back into shape because foot injuries for guys his size, those are those are catastrophic. So.
0: It's I wouldn't say it's as far-fetched as you, as what others might think it may be. Especially since, you know, his entire game is based around his athleticism. He loses that. That's a wrap.
1: Oh, yeah. He's got no shooting. Uh, I don't, I mean, none of his moves down low in the post are something that you would say would be like a LaMarcus
0: Aldridge uh, type move of a of a big guy with limited athleticism. They're all based around athletic dominance, overpowering, yeah. over jumping quick jumping and he loses that man it's it's scary time for the pelicans franchise it's there's a good potential that he ends up like blake griffin yep and blake griffin that's a guy who had a prime right blake griffin from like the 2011 clippers all the way to like 2016 2017 like they're knocking at the door man the clippers were right there and Zion never even got to taste success. He got to taste a lot of other things down in New Orleans, but success wasn't one of them sprinkled on with sugar at the beignet store.
1: Yeah, no. He, uh, he's probably going to spend a lot of time down at Cafe Du Monde as well.
0: <laughs> good times, bro. And that's it. That's our NBA Awards and Rockets podcast. This was a long one, bro, uh, but it's always worth it when it's with you. Oh, It was
1: it was a good pod. There's a lot out there. I'm sure there's a lot that people disagree on. Uh, outside of uh, Russell Westbrook
0: winning the Russell Westbrook award. Yeah, they, I haven't been attacked by any Russell Westbrook stands yet. I think they're starting to come to the light too, which is sad to see. It's kind of like watching your younger sibling finally realize that they have like no shot at ever beating you in any athletic sports or any athletic events and that realization being one of the phases of depression that they have to go through. So, yeah.
1: Sad thing is, you're talking about probably one of the most athletic
0: individuals to ever play basketball. Yeah. Just wasted. Yeah. Should have played football or like gone into acting and been one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) 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 All right, homeboy. It's been real. It's been fun. As always, we got to tell the peeps. Bye. Bye.